This podcast is brought to you by Northern Trust Wealth Management. What is the why that drives today's most successful business leaders? Tune in each month to the Road to Why podcast by the Northern Trust Institute, where host Eric Shapea dives deeper with entrepreneurs on their life's work, legacy, and the greater meaning of it all. Find the Road to Why where you listen to your favorite podcasts. Welcome to Tech News Briefing. It's Wednesday, February 21st. I'm Alex Osala for The Wall Street Journal. Coming up on today's show, chipmaker NVIDIA is doing really well. Last year, it became the first semiconductor company worth $1 trillion, and it's closing in on $2 trillion. But can it sustain this growth? We'll find out what investors will be looking for as NVIDIA reports fourth quarter earnings today from WSJ Heard on the Street columnist Dan Gallagher. And then... As artificial intelligence starts to impact companies across industries, can workers reskill quickly enough to keep pace with innovation? Andrew Ng, managing general partner of AI Fund, tells WSJ Global Tech editor Jason Dean about how AI could affect the labor force and which companies are best positioning themselves in the AI market. But first, for chipmaker NVIDIA, the generative AI boom has been a very good thing. In the past year, the company's market value has gone from about half a trillion dollars to just under $1.8 trillion. It's made NVIDIA the third most valuable U.S. company. But what will it take for the chipmaker to maintain its AI momentum and stay ahead of competitors? WSJ Heard on the Street columnist Dan Gallagher is here to tell us what investors are watching today as NVIDIA reports its fourth quarter earnings. Dan, what did the company forecast for the fourth quarter in terms of revenue? They had projected about $20 billion in revenue, give or take a small margin. And that's like a 231% growth year over year for the particular quarter. It's going to also be the third kind of consecutive quarter of seeing this actual generative AI demand in the numbers. So they haven't even gone a full year yet. How does this compare to some of the other members of the Magnificent Seven, like Apple, Microsoft, Amazon? Last week, the stock actually surpassed Amazon and Google in total market value. So NVIDIA was actually the third most valuable company next to Apple and Microsoft. Those other tech companies have done some pretty big accomplishments and grown their businesses fast over the years. NVIDIA's business is essentially doubling in a year. And for a company that was not a tiny company already. So what's unique about that is that the other companies never grew revenue this fast in this short amount of time coming from a similar base. Are there risks with this kind of growth that's so rapid? Certainly, because one, the chip industry historically can be pretty cyclical because companies like PC makers and companies that build data centers will buy up chips in a big block and then sometimes they might put a pause on order so they can make use of them or sometimes demand falls for those types of products. It's unlikely that we're going to see any slacking of demand for AI chips this year. I mean, Microsoft, Google, all the other companies that are buying up these chips have all said very clearly that their capital spending is going up this year because they're putting more spending on this. So this year, we're going to still see strong sales for NVIDIA. But, of course, estimates can get out over the skis, obviously. And there's other components, too, that can impact because there's other constraints as these companies try to put these chips to work in their data centers. Other types of components they need could be short during the year that could affect how the orders flow. So you might see pockets of where it seems like demand might be slowing temporarily or something. What will investors be looking at in this latest report of fourth quarter earnings? 
they'll be trying to read tea leaves because NVIDIA for a long time, they only in their quarterly reports, they only forecast for one quarter out. They will probably make comments about like how demand is shaping up, how supply is going and so forth. Everybody's going to be listening for clues for the longer term picture. That's going to be of greater interest because their forecast for the current quarter is probably going to be very strong. That was our Heard on the Street columnist Dan Gallagher. For more of your daily tech headlines, check out TNB Tech Minute. That's right here in the Tech News Briefing feed. Coming up, one of the key to succeeding in a workforce disrupted by AI is learning how to use it. That's after the break. What if AI could help your business deliver mission-critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your business can design, build, and scale trusted AI using Watson X and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibm.com consulting. IBM. Let's create. We're already seeing the impact of AI across industries. Companies are figuring out how to integrate the technology and, in some cases, increasing automation. As AI keeps on innovating, how will it change the workforce? Andrew Ng is the founder of DeepLearning.ai, managing general partner at AI Fund and the founder and CEO of Landing AI. Ng was also the founding lead of the Google Brain team. He spoke about the future of AI in the workplace and more with our global tech editor, Jason Dean, at the WSJ CIO Network Summit on February 13th. Here are highlights from their conversation. Andrew, thank you so much for being here. To start, what would you say are going to be the biggest positive and negative impacts on the workforce from AI over the next, say, five years? I think it will be a massive productivity boost for existing job roles, and it will create many new job roles. There will be some job loss, but I think it may not be as bad as people are worried right now. I know that we're having an important societal discussion about AI's impact on jobs. And from a business perspective, I actually find it even more useful to not think about AI automating jobs, but instead AI is automating tasks. So it turns out that most jobs you can think of as a bundle of tasks, but found that if you look at the jobs and break them down into tasks, then analyzing individual tasks for potential for AI automation or augmentation often leads to um, interesting opportunities to use AI. But what will happen is not that AI will replace people, but I think people that use AI will replace other people that don't. The hallucination problem, the accuracy concern, is that fixable with AI, or is it more that we just have to learn to use it the right way and assume an error rate? Yeah, so I myself do not see a path to solving hallucinations and making AI never hallucinate in the same way that I don't see a path to solving the problem that humans sometimes make mistakes. But we've figured out how to work with humans and for humans and so on. It seems to go okay most of the time. And I think because generative AI burst onto the scene so suddenly, a lot of people have not yet gotten used to the workflow and processes of how to work with them safely and responsibly. I know that when an AI makes a mistake, sometimes it goes viral on social media or draws a lot of attention. 
but I think that it's probably not as bad as the widespread perception. And I'm not saying that it's never a blocker to getting things deployed, but I'm seeing tons of stuff deployed in very useful ways. You've been involved in AI for decades, and you know the technology's been through multiple hype cycles and declines and winters, AI winters. And what do you think is different about this moment? Compared to 10, 15 years ago, we've not really had another AI winter, right? I think it's been growing in value. Years back, I used to lead the Google Brain team, which is the team that helped Google adopt deep learning. And the fundamental economics are very strong. I mean, using deep learning to drive online advertising for 10-ish plus years now. And I feel like the economic, the fundamentals for generative AI also feel quite strong in the sense that we can automate and augment a lot of tasks and drive a lot of very fundamental business efficiency. Now, there is one question. I think Sequoia posted an interesting article asking, over the last year or last year, we collectively invested, I don't know, maybe something like $50 billion in capital infrastructure. We are buying GPUs and data centers. And I think we better figure out the applications to make sure that pays off. I don't think we overinvested, but to me, whenever there's a new wave of technology, almost all the attention is on the technology layer. But it turns out that for every wave of technology, for the two builders like these companies to be successful, there's another layer that had better be even more successful, which is the applications you build on top of these tools, because the applications that better generate even more revenue so that they can afford to pay the two builders. And for whatever reason, societal interest or whatever, the applications tend to get less interest. What is the effect on the power dynamics in the tech industry and the economy more broadly? And to what degree is this a technology that is just gonna make Microsoft and Amazon and Google, et cetera, more powerful than they've ever been before? I think the cloud businesses are decently positioned uh, because it turns out that AWS, Azure, GCP, those are beautiful businesses. They generate so much efficiency that even though I may have a huge bill I need to pay them, I don't mind paying it because it's much better than the alternative most of the time, but they also are very profitable businesses. And it turns out that if you look at some of the generative AI startups today, the switching costs of my using one startup's API versus switching to AWS or Azure or Google Cloud, the switching costs are actually still quite low. So I think a lot of the cloud businesses will do okay selling API calls and integrating this with the rest of their existing cloud offerings. How concerned are you about the hardware bottleneck and the lack of GPUs, TPUs, and you know NVIDIA's relative stranglehold over the last year or two? And what do you think of Sam Altman's plans to raise potentially trillions of dollars to solve this? Sam was my student at Stanford way back, so I've known him for years. Uh, he's a smart guy, can't argue results. I don't know where we find $7 trillion. That lets you buy Apple twice, right? More than twice. <laughs> yes. It's an interesting figure to try to raise. I think in a year or so, the semiconductor shortage, I think it will feel much better. And I want to give AMD credit, AMD and Intel maybe. So some of my teams would build stuff on AMD hardware. It's not at parity, but it's also so much better than a year ago. So we'll see how the market evolves. Andrew, thank you so much. Thank you. That was WSJ Global Tech Editor Jason Dean and Andrew Ng, Managing General Partner at AI Fund, speaking at the WSJ CIO Network Summit. And that's it for Tech News Briefing. Today's show was produced by Julie Chang with supervising producer Catherine Millsop. 
I'm Alex Osola for The Wall Street Journal. We'll be back this afternoon with TNB Tech Minute. Thanks for listening.